Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Well here at STSA. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are wrapping up a series, The Kind That Breaks. And if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we've been talking about kindness and the superpower, the superpowers that come along with being a kind person. And what we've been doing for the last 30 days is we said we will go on a kindness challenge where we would choose one person to be the recipient of our unconditional kindness, that we would be good even when they are not good. And if you've made it this far, okay, we're at the end, this is the final week. If you've made it this far, I wanna say good for you. Good job, because when we set out 30 days ago, 28 days, but 30 days, okay? When we set out at the beginning of this journey, I think we all thought kindness, yeah, we can do that. Like we're already kind people, like how hard could it possibly be? But then by about week two, we realized it's a lot harder than we thought. So I want to say to you, if you were able to stick it out this whole time, good for you. The world is a better place because of you. Thank you for making the world a kinder place. And I hope that you've seen the results of the kindness. I hope you've seen it, the results with the person, okay, that you were being kind to, that like, like the name implies, that maybe some walls have been broken that kindness broke whatever kind of tension was there. But more importantly, I hope that you see the results in yourself. Because when we went on this journey together, the first thing that we agreed is that kindness will benefit us first and foremost. That our decision to be kind, okay, is ultimately what's going to determine our level of happiness and satisfaction in life. It's not what you do to me that makes me happy. It's not what circumstances do to me. It's how I respond to those circumstances. And that's why you know same circumstances, two different people, completely different results. Because it's not about what the world does to me, it's about how I respond that determines kindness. Now, we're wrapping up the kindness series today. So this means we can go back to being rude jerks like we were before the 30 days, right? Like now we can go back, like we've been saving up all that negativity and just keeping a list and boom, 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 boom. Okay, that's what my kids noticed because the kid, we were doing the kindness challenge with our kids. So I was telling them the other day, Marianne is traveling. So it's just me and the kids. Okay, so it's really every man for himself in our house. So I told them she's leaving and the kindness challenge is ending tomorrow. Okay, so behave. Okay, because I don't need to be kind after tomorrow. Then it ends. I don't need to preach anymore after this Sunday and mom is going to be out of town for a few days. So is that what this was all about? It was like, just be kind for 30 days. How do we transfer that into a lifestyle? Well, what I want to say is right off the bat, if you hopefully have seen the benefit of kindness in your life. The first thing you're gonna realize, it's about to become a lot harder. It was hard during the 30 days. It's about to get harder. Because now you're not gonna get those little daily emails that remind you to be kind. And that make you feel guilty when you were unkind yesterday. Now you're not gonna come every Sunday and hear me talk about kindness and kindness and kindness and kindness. Now it's not gonna be in your face everywhere you go with this whole kindness thing. Now we're not all gonna be doing it together. So now you're on your own. What I wanna talk about here today is I want to share three thoughts and I'm going to ask for some participation from, we have some people who are going to come up here and join me and sharing some stories in a little bit. And I want to share three thoughts about how we can share this kindness, how we can keep this kindness thing going even after the emails have stopped, even after the series and the messages are no more being preached on Sunday. Because our goal is not kindness challenge for 30 days. Our goal is kindness for life. Three thoughts, okay, and I'll go through these kind of quickly because some of them are kind of reviewing what we talked about over the past several weeks, but this is the most important one, is remember the benefits. Remember the benefits. It might be a mic or something like that, one of these things, maybe. Is that me? Pretend it's not, there you go. Remember the benefits. Remember in week one of this series, I told you kindness, is my mic working? No, it's not working? Can you hear me? Test, there we go, right there. Very good, thank you. Remember in week one of this series, I told you that kindness is a superpower and kindness comes with special superpower abilities. And yeah, you got your Black Panther and yeah, you got your Flash and you got your Captain America, but those are nonsense superpowers compared to kindness. Kindness is a greater superpower. I won't take a show of hands, but I know a lot of people on that Sunday didn't believe me. And I know when I said that, a lot of you said, eh, not really, just something he's got to say. It's in the priest handbook or something like that. He's just got to say it. My question to you is, do you believe me now? And I bet you the people who practice kindness for 30 days, I bet you some of you believe me. And I want to share a story from a member of our congregation who, I, for the sake of anonymity, I'm going to tell this person's story. Okay, so 
no one knows who it is. And I want, to tell, I want to ask you if you still believe me or not believe me at the end, the kindness superpower. The story is about a family, okay? And like many families who are probably here, is that the parents grew up, okay, back home in Egypt, all right? And then they immigrated here and they had children here. Once you have an immigrant family like that where the parents grew up there and the children grew up here, is that you automatically right off the bat, in addition to all the other problems of raising teenagers, you have a cultural divide, all right? So this family had this cultural divide going as, you know, as, as very common. And the gap started to widen when the kids got to, especially like middle school and high school. And the oldest daughter in particular, the oldest daughter, the gap between the parents and the oldest daughter started to grow. Disrespect over here, rebellious over here, not listening over here, and the gap started to widen. Didn't think anything of it because, you know, we all go through our stuff. But the parents started to get worried as their daughter grew further and further and fell into the wrong crowd, especially when she got to high school, the wrong crowd, and now was really, really getting further. Stopped going to church, didn't care about family, didn't care about anything at home. Grades started to suffer. There was suspicion of drugs and alcohol, okay? And because I was the priest who was receiving confessions, I knew that there was these things taking place, but obviously can't say anything because I'm a priest. And now all of a sudden, the parents are starting to get really worried. Priest, Father Anthony, please help us. Okay, we try and we reach out, but the girl, nothing. And the Sunday school teacher and the nothing. And then the friend, she wanna have anything to do with her friends. And they started to see a big gap here between them and their daughter. The mom did what any mom would do. She asked for prayer. Who did she ask for prayer? Everybody and their mother. Anyone who ever saw this mother, like you wanted to avoid her. Because every time you saw her, she just said, please pray for my daughter, please pray for my daughter. You say, okay, and you feel bad because you pray and you're not seeing any results. And she asked everybody and everybody, because you know how moms are, no one could be upset at moms, asked for prayer, asked for prayer, to the point where many people lost hope, including the parents. And then something happened. Child went away to college, and something happened at college. I'll be honest, I don't even know what happened at college. I don't even know what the parents know, but something happened at college. And they started to see some gradual, small shifts in the child, maturity, whatever it may be. Well, they didn't know what happened. All they did was say, thank you, God, and we started to see some shift. And then eventually, the gradual shift became undeniable shifts. And when you see this person, I would see this person like, you know, Christmas or Easter, whatever it was, and I'm like, what happened? You don't want to say anything because you just want to say like, thank you, God, that this person is now back in church and seen a change in their ways. And then we started this kindness challenge. And I got the following message from the mom after I preached week one about how kindness is a superpower. I've got the following message and I'll add in some stuff for clarity, okay? And just so that explain it here. She said, today you said kindness was a superpower and your message today matched exactly my experience. When my daughter turned 16, she was completely ungodly. And she spoke about why, like I said, like the friends and the whatever it may be. One priest, listen carefully. This is not me, by the way. One priest recommended that I throw her out of the house. A counselor told us to show more love and more kindness than even before. And they had already shown a lot of kindness. He told us to show kindness and love no matter what she does. And then she began to speak about how she would care for this child, the child had like a dog or a cat or some kind of pet. And she said about how she would like care, even though she didn't want the child to get the pet and you're not gonna, and she would care for it because that was one way that she could show kindness and she would do all this stuff, spend money. Even though I disagreed with getting the pet, we found that this was one of the ways that we could show kindness. Now, blank with her name, wants to do, listen carefully, kindness is superpower. Now so-and-so wants to do everything for us. She has graduated and is working and told us that her goal is to make enough money that we can retire early and enjoy life. Implying since she made us so miserable all those early years, she wants us to enjoy this part and she wants to, to finance it. We don't want anything from our daughter, but it just feels good to hear it. The important thing is that if we kicked our daughter out, she would have never come back to us or God. But thank God we didn't. Thank God we decided to show kindness. I'm not saying this is parenting advice. Some of you need to throw your kids out, okay? Like, I'm not opposed to throwing the kids out, okay? <laughs> and believe me, I think about it all the time. So I'm not saying that you never throw your kids out. But all I'm saying is, is before you try anything else, you try kindness. Because kindness has a power in it, not because kindness 
is, is some gimmick, is some magic, because, because if, if it's done as a magic and done as a gimmick, people will see through it. We saw, talked about this before, and it actually has the inverse effect. If, if I think you're just trying to be kind to me to get something from me, that has the opposite effect. But in addition to that story, I heard lots of stories. I heard a story, another story from, again, from members of our congregation, that during this kindness challenge, I heard a story about siblings who haven't spoken together for years, and that during this kindness challenge, one of them was convicted to be kind to the other one, hadn't spoken for years. One was convicted to be kind. One needed to go on a trip out of town to see a college or a graduate, or whatever it may be. And that one said, okay, I'll be kind and go with the sibling. They're going to eventually, after all this took place, pretty soon they're going to be moving in together and being roommates because that's what the kindness challenge did over the course of just 30 days. Kindness is not a gimmick, but what kindness is, we talked about this, it is the power of God. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 tells you why kindness is so powerful. Romans 2 4, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? The word goodness sometimes can be described kindness. Same, same word sometimes translated this way, this way. I like kindness. Do you despise the riches of his goodness or kindness, forbearance and long suffering? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Not knowing it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. We talked about this in week one. It's not the anger of God that brings us to repentance. It's not the judgment or wrath of God that's the reason that we're here because we're afraid of it. It's God's kindness. And he's so kind to me that he forgives me. And it's his kindness that makes me say, I want to worship you. And it's his kindness that makes me say, I want to spend time with you. And it's his kindness that makes me say, I want to be kind to others. Not because you're mean to me, not because you scared me, not because you threatened me, but because you did the exact opposite. It's the power of God in your relationships. That's what kindness is. Again, just to recap, these are the three superpowers that come with kindness. And I want to remind you this, and I want you to remember this as you're going through life, is that kindness, starting from the bottom up, we just talked about that melts walls. I just told you stories about two walls that have been erected over a long period of time. The kindness melted those walls. Not anger, not judgment. Kindness melted those walls. Kindness gives you x-ray vision. Kindness allows you to be able to see what's going on inside the person. That maybe, you know what? Maybe they're not so mean. Maybe they're hurt. Maybe they're not cruel. Maybe what they are is lonely. That maybe my boss isn't such a jerk who's trying to get me. Maybe he's under a lot of stress and pressure himself. When you are kind to people, you can see what's going on on the inside. And then the top one, kindness makes you bulletproof. I'll tell you another story that someone told me through this kindness series. Apparently we have some very uh, people who are prone to road rage, okay, inside, inside our church family right here. And people road rage today. One person said their kindness thing is they're going to not, not be angry on their drive to work, which apparently is a big deal. And they said that before this kindness challenge, like somebody cut them off, man, oh man, like they wish they would, they would play the game and do the thing and speed up. Or if someone was tailgating them, they do the slam on the brake kind of thing, like show them what's up, you know, and just to scare them. And they would do that. And then they said that kindness challenge, they said they're going to change that. They're not going to do that anymore. But what they're going to do is someone cuts them off, they're going to smile. They're not going to do anything. Someone is tailgating them. They're not going to slam on the brakes. They're going to drive at a normal speed and just pray that lightning would strike that car. That's what they said. <laughs> and I said, okay, baby steps. You know what I mean? Like baby steps. Like we're, we're working our way there. And I think that's a step in the right direction. But hey, kindness is a superpower. Remember the benefits. Number two, decide on your focus area. I'm going to challenge everyone here. If you benefited from this kindness series, to choose one of the three challenges that we spoke about. And in case you don't remember the challenges that we spoke about, it was these. These are the three things that we said we're doing during these 30 days. That we would nix negativity, we would practice praise, we would carry out kindness. That we would nix negativity, that we wouldn't say or think anything negative about another person. And you say, how am I supposed to not think anything about that other person? Well, it's not easy, but what we challenged ourselves is, not only we're not going to complain to them, we're not going to complain about them. Not only we're not going to roll the eyes, okay? We're not even going to roll the eyes in our head. We're going to do our best to speak not negative things about the other person, not think negative things about the other person. Second, we're going to replace the negative with positive. We're going to try to find good. Say, hey, you know what? My boss isn't so much of a jerk after all. He, you know, like, you know, matches well or whatever, okay? Like, he does something well. Like, he matches his shirt to his shoes. Very good, okay? Like, we find good things to praise about one another. So-and-so may be difficult, but you know what? They're at least responsible. This child has given me a hard time, but you know what? They never lie to me. You know, this, uh, my spouse, you know, doesn't do this very well, but she does do this very well. We're going to try to find the positive things. And then the third thing is that what we would do is we would do an act of kindness. 
my challenge to you is choose one of these. You should continue to do all three. That's the ideal. But choose one that's going to be your focus area. That whenever you hear a sermon about love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to think to specifically that. And whenever you see anything about the world needs more love, that you're going to focus on that. That's your way of being a loving person. It's not, for me, it's clear it's the first one. It's the not being negative. Okay, because I can think negative and I can, the exasperation, the eye roll, like all that stuff. That one is for me. To choose the one that you saw, like, you know what, I need to still improve. Or maybe the one that you saw the greatest impact over these 30 days and make that your focus area. And tell somebody else that I, even though the challenge is over, you know what, I'm still gonna try to practice one act of kindness a day. Or I'm still gonna practice saying one positive thing about this person because I saw the benefit in me. And the good thing is, is that the more you practice it, like everything in life, the less you need to practice it. Not only am I telling you that the more you practice these three things, that the more loving and kind and happier and pleasant you'll be, but you know, science backs up what I'm saying. There was a study in 2008 in the UK that studied the effects of Botox. Y'all know what Botox is? Okay, it's the stuff that removes the wrinkles, okay? So when you have the wrinkles or the, the, the creases in your face, okay, the Botox is injections that removes those things. Well, several scientists saw that patients who received Botox injections reported feeling more positive feelings and less negative feelings. That overall, they felt happier and they felt less anxious and less of the negative feelings that many of them said before. So because of that, Scientists hypothesized that Botox could actually be a treatment for depression. They said that these injections of Botox could be used to treat depression. Well, upon further research, they discovered that maybe it's not exactly as you might be thinking. What they discovered is that these injections of Botox, what they do is they paralyze certain muscles in your face and they paralyze the muscles so that you can't frown. Okay, that's how they get rid of the lines, okay, by making you unable to frown. And what they discovered, okay, is that by paralyzing these muscles, when you physically can't frown, you report being less sad. When you physically can't express displeasure with your face, then you actually feel less displeasure. You're laughing, but that's what I'm telling you. I'm going to read to you right here. I'm going to read you a quote from the, from the actual report that came out. And I can send you all the link if you all want there was the results support the facial feedback view that frowning can make one unhappier. That frowning can make you unhappier. And I'll throw in my own two cents that negativity can make you unhappier. That complaining or venting, as we call it, that exasperation, that eye rolls, that all those things that we talked about actually make you an unhappier person. Treatments that prevent frowning correlate with reduced negative mood. And then they go on to speak about some of the results about how the scores of anxiety. People who came in before the Botox, who ranked their anxiety at certain levels, afterward ranked them at lower levels. Same thing with depression. The conclusion, the paralysis of the corrugator muscles, your frown muscles, the paralysis of those muscles, which makes it impossible to make many negative facial expressions, causes negative moods to be harder to maintain. The lack of negative mood feedback from the facial muscles leads these people to feel happier. What did I tell y'all earlier when we talked about negativity? That motion creates emotion. That sometimes you have to act your way into a feeling, not feel your way into an action. That sometimes you have to, you know what? Put on a happy face. And sometimes you gotta do that because by doing that, you control the way you feel, not vice versa. Let me say it to you this way. How you act is how you'll feel. What you hear is what you'll say. And what you look for is what you'll find. I believe this to be true just about every situation in life. That how you act is how you'll feel. You act kind, you go and you say, can I offer you this? Can, like you act like a pleasant person and you will start to feel like a pleasant person. Your action will dictate your feeling. How you act is how you'll feel. What you hear is what you'll say. And if all you listen to is negativity and all you hear and all you follow on the social media is people who negative, 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 negative. Versus if you only follow people who are inspirational and positive. You don't think that has an impact on how you feel? Try it. 
go and unfollow all the people or mute them or whatever it is that you do to unfollow all the people who all they do is post negative stuff, complaining about this and the world is a disaster and everything is, is go unfollow them for a week and go follow people who post positive things, Bible versus things, funny, lighthearted things about how, you know what, there's good things in the world. Go do that for one week, go do that experiment, then come tell me the results and I guarantee you it'll have a difference. If you only follow negative people, you'll be a negative person and vice versa. And lastly, what you look for is what you'll find. The example is very easy to prove. If I go into a forest and I put a butterfly and an anteater in the same forest, the butterfly will go out and after an hour, he'll come back and I'll say, what'd you find in the forest? And what's he gonna say? Say, I found flowers. The anteater is gonna go out in that same forest. I say, what'd you find? What's he gonna say? Ants. Why did the anteater find ants and the butterfly find flowers? Because that's what they were looking for. And if you go into a forest, and you're looking for ants, you'll find it. You go out into the world, you go into your workplace, you go into your home, you look for negative, you will find it. There's enough negative out there, you can spend all day, all night thinking about all the negative and you will never run out of stuff. But also I challenge you, you can also find positive out there. And I'm one of the people, maybe I'm in the minority. I'm one of the people who actually believes there's more positive in the world than negative. Call me crazy. But I believe if you look hard enough, you'll find it. And I see it all the time. Maybe it's because I'm looking for it, but hey, you know what? I'm happy. I sleep happier at night because I look for stories about good things. I look for stories about happy things. I look for stories about people helping other people. And I find those kind of stories, somehow they come to me and there they are and they make me happy and I sleep with a smile on my face. That's number two. Number one, remember the benefits. Number two, choose your focus area. Number three, expand the circle. Expand your kindness circle. And for this one, I'm gonna ask for some help here from some of our church members here who are gonna come up here on stage in a minute and share about some of their experiences. But before I, I, I open the floor to them, expand your kindness circle. Recently, we celebrated, okay, 40 days after the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ into heaven. Okay, Christ rose from the dead. 40 days later, he ascended up to heaven. And before he ascended, he said, Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is the last words that he said after resurrection, before ascension. He said, Acts 1a, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If we're gonna be witnesses of Christ, I would propose, and you will agree with me because I have the microphone and you're there. I would propose that the best witness to Christ is kindness. Would you agree or not agree? That unconditional kindness, that being good when people are bad, that's the best witness of Christ. So if I wanna go and say, look, I believe in Christ and I follow him, and I wanna be like him. The best thing I can do is kindness, agree? During this series, this, this, this verse here lays out like a framework of the mission of Christianity. How it's Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is where they were standing at the time. So meaning, I want you to first be a witness exactly where you're standing. Like where should we be witnesses? Look down at your feet, where are your feet? My feet are in Jerusalem. Okay, start in Jerusalem. And then Judea, Judea was like the county, the neighboring county, the surrounding county. So if, if they were standing, you know, if, if uh, I live in Annandale. So Annandale would be like Jerusalem, Fairfax County would be like Judea. And that's kind of where this series has been focused on, was showing kindness where you are and kind of your neighboring community. But I wanna say is that's only half of the equation because the next thing he said is go to Samaria. Samaria was the crosstown rivals. It was the next county over, okay? And it was kind of like a rivalry and a kind of like a, 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 a not good feeling between Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. They looked down at them and they hated them. So what he's saying is go beyond even where, where you're from and go beyond your comfort zone. And then the last one, the ends of the earth, is go completely out of your comfort zone. And what I wanna share right now, I'm gonna invite some members of our church family who are gonna share about their experience in showing kindness at these two levels. You heard me talk about Jerusalem and Judea, kind of your home, your family, your work, whatever it may be, but there's more work to be done. And we have to go beyond what we know, and we have to go into our local community, our neighboring community, all right? And now we're gonna invite some people to talk about that. And then we're gonna talk about global, how we even have to go beyond that and go beyond even the borders of our, our country and show kindness all over. Now, I know what you're gonna say right off the bat. You're gonna say, wait a minute, you're gonna be tempted to think, I got enough work to do just showing kindness at home. Like, I got a lot to do here. I don't know if I'm ready to expand there. Well, Jesus didn't say Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. He didn't say Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. What he said is, 
These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, which means we need to do all. And we need, as a church and as individuals, to always be showing kindness right where we are, those around us, those beyond our borders, and to the ends of the earth. If you think about kindness at home versus kindness outside my home, Jesus commanded us to do both. So when they come up here and they share their stories, you might be tempted to think, I got enough. You're not going to think that. And even if you're not going to participate, because they're going to share also how you can get involved in, what, in some of the stuff, the initiatives that they're doing, you may be thinking, I, I can't necessarily do that, but I hope at least you're inspired to go beyond some boundaries and step out of your comfort zone. So with that said, I'm going to invite first Aya and Maggie. Come up here on stage. Give a big, big hand to Maggie and Aya. Come up here, guys. Aya and Maggie are going to speak to us. Do we have microphones for you right here? Take these. Aya and Maggie are going to speak to us. There you go. There you go. About something called Project Playtime, which is one of the projects that we do here in the Arlington community, all right, through Hope Association, because we feel it's very important, okay, as members of this church know, genuine love for our community that we do not just reside in Arlington County and reside in the DC metro area, and we don't want to just be consumers. We want to give back to our community. So they're going to talk about one particular project called Project Playtime. Floor is all yours. Hi, I'm Maggie. Uh, I've been, I guess, volunteering with Project Playtime for about a year. Um, and Abuna touched on it a little bit uh, about what Project Playtime is. It's something that we do in the community. It actually is a program with the um, homeless shelters in DC. Um, and typically when there are families at the homeless shelters, you know, the children kind of don't have a regular childhood. So what Project Playtime is, is we kind of give them a structure time for them to essentially play. Um, so that's what we go to do. We volunteer to give the children a time to actually play. And it's actually a very cool experience and a very easy thing to do. Hi, I'm Aya. And I got involved with Playtime maybe about three years ago. So during my time with Playtime, uh, I met so many different kids and volunteers who come from all different sorts of walks of life. And they're all there for one purpose. And it's to build relationships, make connections with one another, and just overall demonstrate different acts of kindness which which able to motivate the kids and each other. I think for me, Playtime's given me the opportunity just to show my impact through kindness by my influence with the, my interactions with the kids and just overall just being able to give our time once a month to just hang out with them and show them that like their needs and feelings are just important as our own. And I think just that in itself shows that the people that you're interacting with that you care and that it's taught me that such a small act or such simple efforts of kindness really can go a long way for somebody else. Yeah, that was going off of what Aya said. It's, it's actually really an easy thing. Um, when Abuna's been talking about this entire month about the acts of kindness and it being difficult and it's like, uh, yeah, those are difficult, but this thing that I do with Project Playtime is very easy because a lot of times, like what the children need is someone just to really be there. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's easy to just show up, um, but showing up is really what these children need. Um, so it's, it's easy to make that sort of impact. And with that, you kind of, you get the benefit of, you know, showing the kindness to the children. And a lot of times, like it's, you're getting something from the kids because a lot, you see things through their perspective. They have a different perspective from, you know, kind of what you're going in as an adult. Um, and of course, I mean, you're playing. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to just play with kids, whether it's like outside on a playground um, or inside making slime and making a big mess that you have to clean up afterwards. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to sort of to connect with the community. Um, and it's, it's a great way to, I guess, have that sort of impact and get the kindness out of your system if you need to. All right, give him a big hand, big hand, big hand, but don't leave here. Don't leave here. Don't leave here. <laughs> I told him I wouldn't have asked him any questions, but can I ask him a question? You guys give me permission to ask him a question? Say yes. yes. Very good. <laughs> that way I say it was your fault, not mine. Okay. So y'all said, okay, first tell them about like the, the, you said it's once a month. And when is it once a month and like evenings, mornings, what is it? So it's every second Wednesday around from 6.30 p.m. for about two hours. Uh, we usually plan activities, but you know, the kids just like hanging out for most of the time. And during summer, they love being outdoors. So we're just mostly running around. They like doing field trips to like the pool 
and other random field trips we plan throughout the year. So what? So it's two hours once a month. That's the cost and the benefit of it. What's the benefit of it? They just stood up here. And they're not getting paid for it. No one's giving them anything. But both of them agreed that this is something that gives them more than it takes. Is that fair to say that what you gain from it is much more than you give up for it? Is that fair to say? Yes, okay. definitely. And that's why these guys, they're making it sound very easy, but it is a big commitment. So that's why we appreciate them very much. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. If anyone wants more information about Project Playtime, they can. They can. What can I tell oh. them if they want more information? <laughs> they they can. can come talk to us or go come to the to Hope them. Association website. Very good. Thank you so much. We'll leave those microphones because right now we're going to invite two more people, which is Bella and Anne, are going to come up here. And they're going to talk about something that goes beyond the borders, okay, of United States of America and Arlington and D.C. And they're going to talk about an initiative that goes international right here. So give a big hand to Ann and Bella. Thanks. Abuna, I think there's a video here. In July 2017, we went to visit one of our sister mission Coptic churches in Zambia, and we stayed for about a month on one of the school compounds. We met kids who were filled with life and wonder and joy. One day, one of the teachers took us out into the courtyard, and we saw those kids scraping porridge out of a pot. They explained to us that this cup of porridge was the only meal they were getting today, so they were trying to make every last bit count. Now we're home and we can't forget them. We can't get that visual of those kids scraping the porridge pot out of our heads. And every day we kept thinking, you know, another day has passed and they're still not eating. We need to do something and quick. So we're asking our friends, our community, our generation to get involved. We have so many resources at our fingertips. One of our favorite spiritual mentors explains it like this. Say a father gave his oldest son $20 and said, go and buy lunch for you and your siblings. If that son came back with lunch and dessert only for himself, how would the father feel? The $5 we spend on just a cup of coffee could feed one child for a whole school week. We're not asking you to commit to a sponsorship program. We're asking for people to commit to a small amount, $5 to $15 a month, in order to make school lunch possible for these kids. The impact of providing this lunch program goes way beyond a child's hungry stomach. Yeah, it provides better focus in school, and motivation to stay in school, and a fighting chance in some pretty tough circumstances that they're growing up in. Jesus said, love one another like I have loved you. Do like I do. Thanks for watching that video, guys. We just want to say, one thing we didn't say in the video is that we're actually following the footsteps of an organization called Meant to Live, and we're just so grateful to them for setting the foundation in order for us to follow the footsteps. Um, so for those of you who are not familiar with the Zambia mission, it's a Coptic mission near the capital of Zambia. And if you're wondering where in the world Zambia is, it is right there. <laughs> So we're really excited about this project. How it got started was, as we explained in the video, um, we went down to Zambia last July and we saw the things we saw and we just couldn't come back to America and be comfortable doing nothing about it. Anne and I actually tried the diet of only eating what the kids eat, which is like a cup of porridge and two slices of bread a day. Yeah, we tried that for a week <laughs> and um, it's just not enough food. It's, um, it's hard to focus, uh, you lose energy very quickly. Um, yeah, it, and it just kept making us think, you know, when is this going to be over? And that was with the knowledge of knowing by the end of this week, I'm going back to my normal diet. Um, <clears throat> since we did the video, there have been a couple major changes. So as you saw, that was primarily about a feeding project. Um, since then, we've kind of found out that there have been some major budget cuts in uh, the Zambia. And that's causing two out of the three schools in Zambia to be on the brink of shutdown. Um, so our main focus has now shifted to, shifted to partnering with Abuna Abraham's vision, that's the uh, Buna in Zambia, um, to keeping these schools open and setting up a sustainable structure. So that will bring an income for the schools and they're no longer just primarily relying on donors. Yeah, so basically what the campaign is right now is we're trying to raise $50,000 by this September. And we know that is a really big task, um, 
but we are confident that God is in this and that he's asked us to do this, so we're just waiting on him, um, and we trust that he will come through. Um, we named the project Do Like I Do because of the verse John 15, 12, Jesus said, love one another like I have loved you, but also the kids in that school would play this game singing along to a song called Do Like I Do, where they would sing and mimic each other, and it's really cute, so of the verse and of the kids, that's why it's called Do Like I Do. Um, if your heart is open and you feel like you want to support this feeding project, we would ask that you would still give a small donation, um, keeping in mind that for now it wouldn't go towards the lunch program because there can't be lunch if there's no school. So um, God willing, if we can get the schools like in a stable, sustainable situation, once we reach the $50,000, then your donations would go right into feeding the kids lunch. Um, and if you would more, um, are more, more inclined to just give a one-time donation, we ask that you would do that too. Yeah, so like Anne said, we're basically focused on um, you know, making sure that there's a sustainable, safe structure for them. These schools in Zambia, the three that the Coptic Mission runs, are everything to the community. They keep the kids safe, um, they keep them out of trouble, they really bring them up to know who God is, and they're giving them an education that's much higher than any of the other schools in Zambia. The teachers have a higher standard of going about things. It's just, it's just a beautiful structure. So we wanna keep those schools open by raising that money until um, before September, and um, that way we can make sure that we can actually get to making um, the feeding program. Um, what did I miss? Okay, so <clears throat> we're not just looking for donations. What we're really looking for is to start a partnership between Zambia and Virginia, um, which sounds kind of random, but like Abuna said, like just kind of be where you are and start to give kindness where you are and with what you have. Um, so primarily, we want to start with STSA, kind of being the model of, of what it means to show kindness across borders, um, and then we'll expand out according to God's will. So what, like Anne said, we're just following one step at a time after what God told us to do. So we also just ask that, you know, if this is something you're interested in doing, just um, to take a minute right now and just really ask God if this is what he wants you to do. There's way too many projects out there where people get all amped up and all excited and um, start giving, and then all of a sudden it kind of just fades away because people lost the momentum. Um, we really want this to be a commitment and for you to plant something in your heart that says, yes, I want to partner um, with this and do something as, as small as I mentioned in the video of uh, maybe even donating your coffee break which is $5 a month. So Abuna Anthony is a rock star, and he's letting us use the SDSA website to collect donations for the time being. So that means you can do it online or through the SDSA app. And um, if you open up the app or go on our website, you'll see a drop-down menu. And on that drop-down menu, there's an option that says, um, do like I do with Zambia in parentheses. And right there, you would decide if you want to do a one-time donation or a recurring gift and how much you'd like to give. So right there, you can see our website up there. We'll also have little slips in the back at the, in the connection table for you to grab, like she said. Um, so we're going to have some people coming around with pledge slips just for anybody that their heart is, um, it's starting, to, like God's starting to move. So if whoever those friends are, if you wouldn't mind handing those out. Oh, y'all are awesome, thanks. <laughs> um, and that's just for us to get an idea of what kind of pledges people are interested in doing, whether that's $5 a month, a one-time donation, um, or something larger they wanna give each month. And that way we can have a better idea of what kind of a goal we're trying to accomplish by September. Um, yeah. Give him a big, thanks, hand. Give a big hand, give a big hand. So one question for you guys before I let you leave the stage. Just tell real quickly, how do you guys, how does showing kindness, because you're talking about giving up money, how does it make you feel when you give up something of yours to help somebody else that you don't even know? Yeah. Um, well, I can just talk about, for me personally, the process of getting this set up, the just trying to be, it has really taught me how to die to self, and like it strengthened my faith. Parts of this process were a lot harder than I thought it would be, whether it was like the fasting or the trying to do the logistical part of it, and I really wanted to quit, to be honest, and say this is like too big and it's too much, um, but in those moments, God provided in a way beyond my expectations, um, so I hold on to that feeling of like peace and that he will he will provide, not just in thinking that he'll take care of those kids over there, but in my own personal life, that like no problem is too big for him to, to handle.
Yeah, and the same. It was um, this like process of constant surrender. When we started, we had this very small goal of raising a couple hundred dollars a month, and we were almost 100% sure we were going to accomplish that. And God took that goal and punted it, and we were like, okay, he wants something so much bigger. Um, so it was just a matter of saying we cannot do this without him, and it's brought a ton of joy and peace through that process of kind of dying to self and surrender over this this. Thank you, guys. Give him a big hand. Give him a big hand. Thank you, guys. And we'll be in the back in the connection table if you guys have any questions. Okay. So the whole point here that I was trying to show you, all right, we're done. The whole point I was trying to show you, this is the first thing I said when we started this series six weeks ago. I said that our happiness depends far more on how we choose to treat others than on how we ourselves are treated. Whether it's children in Zambia, whether it's homeless kids in DC, whether it's your coworker who gets on your nerves, whether it's your son, your daughter, your spouse, your sister, your brother, I propose to you that the world will be a better place and you will be a better person and you will be a happier person when you choose to show kindness regardless of how that person treats you. You know, one of the things that I love about this church, one of the things I love about this church, I have a certain term and I've used it towards many of you guys because I love it when I meet someone and ask them, what do you do for a living, all right? And they try to explain to me what they're doing. I have a certain term that I use that there's a lot of people in this church that I call world changers. Y'all are world changers. And there's people who want to change the world, even if they don't get credit, even if they don't get money, people who want to change the world. And I love that about this church is that we are not just a church who wants to occupy space, but we want to change the world in which we live. Well, my question to you, it's how are we going to change the world? How is the world changed? The world is changed by when we bring light, by when we be light and we bring light. The world is not changed when we power up and when we exert our authority. And the world is not changed when we passive aggressive one another or when we run and hide from one another and isolate ourselves. The world is changed when we step out and we say, here we are, we're the followers of Jesus Christ and we are going to be Christ to this world. We're going to be light, we're going to bring light. And that is how the world is going to be changed. I'm going to do something that I don't usually do. First, I want to ask the music team to come on up here, wherever the music team is. They're going to close this out with a song. But I'm going to do something that I'll be honest. I'm going to ask you to do something that I hate it when I'm sitting in your seat and the preacher asked me to do this. But I'm going to ask you to do it because this is the end of the series and we're off next week, so you can't throw anything at me at least for a couple of weeks. Okay? I'm going to ask you in a minute to close your eyes. And I hate when a guy says close your eyes, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Actually, let's do it right now. Close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine with your eyes closed a world where kindness is more common than unkindness. Where unselfishness is greater than unselfishness. Where people are not aggressive with one another, but people defer to one another. And where people show one another unselfish kindness all the time. Where people give up their own interests for the sake of others. Where, where you turn on the news and you don't hear about shootings, but you hear about helpings. You hear about people helping one another. You don't read about people stealing from one another. You read about people giving to one another. Where you go on your social media and you don't see people complaining, tearing one another down, discouraging, but you see people encouraging, building each other up and inspiring one another. Can you see it? Because if you can see it, picture it in your mind. Now look at the front. Look at the front of the world that you just created in your eyes. Who is at the front of the line leading the way? Who's at the front of this world of kindness? Is it politicians? Is it celebrities? Is it media people? Or is it the followers of Jesus? I think the world is gonna look like we just want it to look like. I think it's gonna be Jesus followers who lead the way. Now I want you to open your eyes. And I want you to see this verse up on the screen. It's Luke 6, 35. And our master, Jesus Christ, said, Love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. That world, that make-believe world that I just told you about, picture it, you said, well, it's ridiculous. It's actually the world that Jesus commanded us to the world that he set in motion. Now it's our job to finish the work that he started. Let's stand together and sing a song and conclude with a prayer.
God of creation, there at the start before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and flushed out the wonder of life. As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath. The planets form. If the stars are made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you. Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. you have spoken all nature and science follow the sound of your voice and as you speak a hundred billion creatures catch your breath evolving in pursuit of what you if it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say. Every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. If creation still obeys you, so will I. The stars are made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roll your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion down my heart through all of my failure and pride on a hill you created the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die and as you speak a hundred billion failures disappear where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done. Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. 
I can see your heart in eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you die to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your kindness towards us. All of us, Lord, we want a kinder world. We want kinder offices, kinder workplaces, kinder schools, kinder families. Today, Lord, we stand in front of you and we say that we will take the charge in that. We will take the lead in that, Lord, and we won't wait for someone else to make the world kind. We will go and we will lead the way. We will be do our best to be your disciples, do as you taught us to do, Lord, to be kind even when others are not kind. I pray, Lord, for the world in which we live, and I pray that today little army leaves this place, Lord, and just goes and takes your love and your kindness every single place to all the ends of the earth, Lord, in which we dwell. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a mighty work in this world. And we may be able to look back and say that, that a, little, a little something started this day, Lord, in this kindness series that changed homes, that changed futures, that changed families, Lord, and hopefully ultimately changes the world. We pray these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Here, so we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.